Hell yeah, I'm back from spring break, baby. What's up, T? Yeah, man, Learn we haven't recorded an episode in a decade. Yeah, it was my spring break. What did I just tell you? Well, hey, I go to the same school. I teach at the same school. It's my spring break, too. I just didn't know we were having spring break. Spring break? <laughs> oh, God, Jason's revealing nipples on the podcast for the first time. You guys yeah, gotta spring break. tune into the videos. <laughs> Yeah, that was the last little taste of spring break you'll ever get. <laughs> you, you'll ever listen to. You did come back with your shirt mostly unbuttoned, and you got a tank underneath. Is it tank season, Jason? Oh, tank season is right around the corner, my good friend, and I cannot wait. I mean, I'm excited. Starting with my nipples, they're excited first. <laughs> well, we're they're up in center. We're they're all excited front. about your nipples. When it comes to tank tank time. Uh, tank season comes along. The first ones that I have to attend hut are my nips. <laughs> Not really. Well, I got to like prepare them for the coming up season yeah, because like, you can season? get like chafing and stuff. You can get chafing. When's nip season? Because doesn't, I mean, doesn't the tank come April, off? April 20th, baby. Wow, 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 wow. April 20th is nip season. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. That's the beginning of nip season. Yeah. So tank season is like two weeks. Yeah, it's like the uh, the blossoms, the cherry blossoms. Oh yeah, <laughs> it goes tank season, then then nip season is like full bloom. Full bloom, yeah. <laughs> I always go, you, you always go full bloom when it comes to tank season. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I'm back. I'm back in class, back in session. Um, Cause you know the learning never stops, Kyle. Hey everyone, welcome to Wiki University, a podcast that dives down the rabbit hole of Wikipedia to explore the sum of all human knowledge. I'm Kyle Berseth, your host and dean of this fine institution, and as always, I'm joined by our summa cum laude, Jason Nunez. If this is your first time at WikiU, thanks for tuning in. Jason and I are comedians, and this is a podcast that combines learning and comedy, so it's for smart people and dumb people alike. On every episode, Jason and I get together over Zoom and attempt to link two very different topics across Wikipedia. So strap on and strap in, because on this episode of WikiU, we're picking up where we left off with wingsuit flying, then we'll be zipping our way across Wikipedia to the complex emotion of schadenfreude. So it's been like three weeks since we recorded, but we left off at wingsuit flying. That's right. Which, and I thought that was when you just pull your uh, the skin from your nuts over, you know, just over your body, and then jump off of a, off of a building. Well, that was the first attempt at wingsuit flying, and that person died. Yeah, that person was like the Wright brothers of their time for wingsuits. They were like, I want to get the world record for wingsuit flying when in reality they should have just had their scrotum measured because they would have gotten the world record in scrotum size which is equally prestigious have you gotten your scrotum measured yet i know when you turn 33 you're supposed to get your scrotum measured i've heard that length uh i did get my scrotum measured yeah went to the doctor i plopped it on a table they took those little they took a bunch of little pins and stretched it out like like one of those autopsies that they do on bats or something. Like you see Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just to see the full length. Yeah. Turns out it was like a stretch armstrong, right? It just kept going and going. <laughs> right. <laughs> they had to pull it from one building window to another building window. They were and like, that's... We're gonna have to take this outside. <laughs> One one nurse. Was... If I if I got a if I got a glimpse of your uh of your wingsuit, I would also be like, hey, let's take this outside. <laughs> Stretched between two buildings, they said. Oh, well, you're definitely thirty three. Yeah. <laughs> it was the weirdest year of my life. Oh, dude, my birth my thirty three birthday is gonna be wild, man. That's... Can have all my family and friends over to see me measure my my wingsuit. 
<laughs> That's how you can really tell if you're 33. It's like counting the rings on a tree. <laughs> it's exactly like that. 100% the same. Fuck, dude. I'm excited, man. This 33 year is going to be beast. Well, anyway, we left off at wingsuit flying. And we had another listener write in. And they Another listener write in? Write in. Message us. They DM. Hell yeah, they, listener. They slid into our DMs and gave a topic suggestion. And then we're getting back to our topics after this. We got to take a listener topic break. Please keep, but please keep writing in. Please keep sliding in those DMs. We'll definitely get through them all. But, uh, but yeah, no, this is good. I like the the people. The people. We're a podcast of the people, and they are calling to us. So I like it. And some of them want to know about wingsuit, and I'm all for that. Well, we did wingsuit flying. Oh yeah, we're picking up at wingsuit flying, and we're gonna go to Schadenfreude. Are you familiar with Schadenfreude, Jason? Uh, sounds German. And yeah. I'm currently in a relationship with a German, and she yells that at me all the time. In what situations? Sex. <laughs> Schadenfreude! Schadenfreude! <laughs> Schadenfreude! Schadenfreude! Like that? For real, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought it meant just shut the door because the cats were coming in. <laughs> the door's already <laughs> shut. I can't shut it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, you're totally wrong on that. Schadenfreude is the experience of pleasure, joy, or self-satisfaction that comes from learning of or witnessing the troubles, failures, or humiliation of another. Okay, yes. I definitely shri- I Schadenfreude all the time then. I mean, not as much as I used to when I was a kid, but uh, do you remember watching like online videos and like you know people getting hurt and stuff? That was always yeah. cool. I mean, I have such a great memory of online videos. (laughs) When I first graduated college, I was watching YouTube.com all the time. And I was so excited about YouTube.com that I posted it like on my AOL instant messenger. Just telling people, people, you got to check out YouTube. It's got everything. And this was have you, have you guys heard of YouTube? This was before Google bought it. And I was like, more people need to know about this YouTube. This thing's gonna be yeah, huge. Yeah. This yeah. You that's man. So wait, that was your Schrottenfreud? Well, that's where I was watching onlinevideos.com. Oh, okay. Yeah. What was one of your favorite online videos that stuck out that's like has somebody hurt? Ah, oh, that has somebody hurt. Ah oh, man, you put me on the spot here. I don't know that I have one. I mean, I like a good ice slipping video. Yeah, like when it's an old grandma, when it's an old senile person. <laughs> Is that where you get your kicks off, you sick, the, you sick fuck? The older, the better. <laughs> hey, now, now we're talking. <laughs> Sometimes it's a little frustrating because they don't usually give the age in the video. Like true if the grandmothers while they're slipping and falling could just yell i'm 93 (laughs) it would be so much more helpful a little bit fun yeah and funnier just if they can get all that whole sentence off while they're falling i'm like let's ramp up the schadenfreude here yeah 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 i remember watching as a kid a friend showed me just a video i'm sure it was on youtube it was just a video of this kid getting bullied and this kid got like trapped like in on like in a little like creek area so he was just stuck on like a rock yeah you know like in the middle of a creek and then all and then like four three maybe like three or four guys had paintball guns and they just started blasting this kid yeah yeah with paintball gun and the kids just like crying and yelling and i don't like that i don't like that one bit (laughs) it was great (laughs) I mean, I was like 13, 14 watching it, you know, and it's I'm just watching another 13, 14 year old kid just get it. And it was funny. It is amazing as a 13, 14 year old kid or even maybe a little younger that you can appreciate other people getting bullied, but hate when it happens to yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I also I'm sure I definitely like bullied some people, not like so much physical, but I'm sure I said some pretty absurd shit that I knew people just. They just happen to be in the way. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> in the way of your words. In the way of my words. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever intentionally um, 
bullied somebody for like for like like year like a how how a person has a bully like you know what yeah I mean? like, like where a, you think of like that person like steals my lunch money every every day is like I, no I never like did like a psychological tormentor psych- psychotic yeah I did it more with my words and if like and sometimes I don't know I felt like I was good to sense when people like didn't like me so then I would just go harder on them or or whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> I go harder on them piece of shit. <laughs> Wouldn't that make them dislike you even more, though? Right. But then I'm just coming from at, like, why do you not like me? What's wrong with me? You stupid bitch. Have you seen my nipples? Have you seen my nips? It's not tank season, so I guess you have it. If if Jason shows his nipples, he's undeniable. Oh, he's easily. Easily. All right, Jason. Well, we're going to go from wingsuit flying to schadenfreude. And just to give you some background on schadenfreude so we know where we're going. Like- I think, honestly, I think we can hit this real quick because there's got to be some videos of some botched uh, wingsuit air gliding, air, wingsuit flying, base jumping type shit. All right. Well, let me just give you a quick background on schadenfreude. I do believe it's German. Schadenfreude is a complex emotion where rather than feeling sympathy, one takes pleasure from watching someone's misfortune. This emotion is displayed more in children than adults. However, adults also experience <laughs> yeah, schadenfreude, although generally they conceal it. Oh, just let your schadenfreude out. Yeah, I mean, it's that kind of like laugh when somebody like when somebody in front of you falls or like it looks like they got hurt. It's not you're not really laughing. Because they might have broken their leg. You're laughing because it was so unexpected. So it's just like, let it go, man. Just laugh, baby. It's good for you. I don't like a, I don't like a leg breaking video. Like that Joe Theismann video. Oh, I watched that before I go to bed. That's great. Yeah, it settles the brain. It settles me, right? It says, hey, I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to get as much rest as he is about to. <laughs> I want to be as bedridden as that person right now. All right, well, although common nouns normally are not capitalized in English, schadenfreude sometimes is capitalized following the German convention. So uh, it is like a big thought in German, it sounds like. So if we could get to the German language, I bet it's under there. Yeah, let's go to German thoughts. We might let's be. Go ahead and cl- <laughs> let's, not, <laughs> let's not go too deep into the German thoughts. Do you want to uh, put a timer on? I I might have one on my watch if uh um, yes ma'am I can do the same on mine. 1 hour starting meow. Okay. So wingsuit flying is the sport of flying through the air using a wingsuit which adds surface area to the human body to enable a significant increase in lift. The modern wingsuit first developed in the late 1990s creates a surface area with fabric between the legs and under the arms. Wingsuits are sometimes referred to as Birdman suits after the mar- makers of the first commercial wingsuit, Squirrel Suits, which is my favorite, from their resemblance to flying squirrels, and Bat Suits, which is your favorite, because it resembles a scrotum. Yeah, <clears throat> a human scrotum. Uh, a wingsuit- I have human scrotum interest syndrome, and that's just what I have. Such an escalated level of interest on human scrotum. I'm sorry, you have human scrotum interest syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> HS. Yeah. Uh, you got a- HSIS. I have HSIS. Okay. Hey, stop laughing. Is this is this a free? Is this a safe space college or what, it's dude? A what safe the fuck? Space. Everybody. Is it? It doesn't feel very safe right now. <laughs> I'm feeling I'm feeling very attacked. Don't bully me. Don't bully me. I like you. You're Jason. bullying me, dude. Like You're you. bullying me. This is a safe school, I thought. Everybody check out Jason's website, hsis.com, where there are a lot of pictures on there. Guys, I have a Patreon for HSIS. Hit up my Patreon. It just helps me get over my fear. What's your fear? Your fear of what? Of not seeing scrotums. Or just talking about it, or just overall any interest. My fear, I have fear that I'll lose interest in human scrotums. Stop trying to cure him, psychologist. He likes it. Yeah. All right. 
A wingsuit flight ends by deploying a parachute, and so a wingsuit can be flown from any point that provides sufficient altitude for flight and parachute deployment. A skydiving drop aircraft, a base jump exit point such as a tall cliff or mountaintop, the wingsuit flyer wears parachute equipment specifically designed for skydiving or base jumping. While the parachute flight is normal, the canopy pilot must unzip arm wings after deployment, so they jump off, then unzip the arms, to be able to reach the steering parachute toggles and control the descent path. There's a lot going on. That's a lot of steps. I feel like, can't you just start me off with, like, what's the, what's, like, the bunny slope of squirrel diving because it's just like that just seems like a lot of stuff that you have to do and i don't know if i have the headspace if i'm already jumping off of a plane you're asking me to do like open up an ikea instructional manual on how to open up like the wings and then afterwards the the what's it called the parachute itself right because it's like from what i from what i understood it's like you, you wouldn't even be able to get to the parachute without first unzipping like that area possibly oh that's a good question yeah i don't know i feel like they probably have that because there's been instances uh, meaning they have the zipper thing where it can't pop out because i bet you there have been instances they go up that like they would yeah they just immediately jump but like a big gust of wind like just take some and they hit a plane propeller yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh we squirreled him yeah that's what they call it that guy got a good squirreling uh, yeah. it's when, the, when a squirrel gets caught in the propeller. You know, it would be funny if they also like picked it up like roadkill, like if they just picked up the body, like if it was a squirrel, like with a big shovel. Yeah, I don't know that that would be all that funny, Jason. I mean, that gives me Freud right now, just thinking about it. <laughs> just imagining a giant like human sized shovel. <laughs> And then that person gets scooped up and thrown in the back of a pickup. And Jason laughing off on the side while also taking a picture of the man's scrotum. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a, hey, first come, first serve, baby. <laughs> Maybe we're getting a little too caught up on this. Let's go to the history here. Okay. And I believe I told you about this on the at the end of the last episode. I was telling you about how there's a video of this out there. An early attempt at wingsuit flying was made on February 4th, 1912, by a 33-year-old tailor, Franz Reich, who jumped from the Eiffel Tower to test his invention of a combination parachute and wing, which was similar to modern wingsuits. He misled the guards by saying that the experiment was going to be conducted with a dummy. He hesitated quite, lo quite a long time before he jumped and died when he hit the ground headfirst, opening a measurable hole in the frozen ground. The guards came over with a large human-sized shovel and removed him. <laughs> Yo, I, I want to see this like movie where it's about him before he... You know how they made that movie about that guy, J uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, um, walking We from, talked about that on the last episode. Yeah, yeah. from one tower to the other. Yeah. Like, I wish they made a movie about this guy, but then it, comes, it becomes like a weekend at Bernie's comedy type. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> like, first he's got to get that dummy up, and so he's got to, like, pretend like oh, it's a oh, real person. I thought you meant people scooped up his dead body and they walked him around. Well, yeah, that's the twist. That's the twist at the end. That's the twist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then he dies. How bad are these guards that they're like, I don't see a dummy. I don't see a mannequin. I see this guy wearing a suit with wings. But I believe him. I mean, you have to understand, this is pre-9-11, so every, anything goes. People were just like, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's kosher. You don't have to take off your shoes. It was. I, I'm not. I think the Eiffel Tower was built in, like, 1890. Let's see. Yeah, so that's definitely before 9-11. <laughs> oh, it is? Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's pretty. So they didn't, get, they didn't even get the Patriot Act to, like, you know, 40-plus years. So. All right. <laughs> 40 years? <laughs> So, I said plus to cover me. <laughs> 2001 minus That's the beauty 1912. Of it. <laughs> it's about 40 years, give or take. Give or take multiple 40s. Well, anyway, uh, he went splat. I can't believe the guards let him do it. But it's crazy that the security at the Eiffel Tower back then was like, 
you can do an experiment as long as it's with a dummy. Like, you can throw dummies <laughs> off the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Like, that's crazy in itself. Yeah. Super chill security guards. Just I wonder when they finally added, like, fencing to the Eiffel Tower. Because they were, they must have said at some point, hey, too much stuff is flying off. People, mostly. <laughs> I would guess soon after that, you know. <laughs> right. I wonder how, how many, you know, how many dead carcasses do they have to scoop up until they're like hey maybe we'll put a railing there that's higher than eye level he used a chair to get over the railing as i recall it's in the video everybody should check it out on youtube wait it's in the wait there's a video of it happening too yeah and there's a video from far away and you can just see you just see a dot in the air like flying he didn't glide at all was it (laughs) he it was like watching a rock fall i mean was the uh, what's it called? It's crazy. That did that bring you joy? Was that a little Schrodenfreud when you watched it? A little bit, to be honest with you, a little bit. A little bit, right? I mean, it does. It doesn't bring me joy to know someone did that, but I don't know. He's so stupid. I mean, it's pretty dumb. Right. That's where I'm coming from. Like, it's kind of dumb. So it's like I'm allowing myself to laugh because that person is so dumb. It it more brings me joy to know the video exists. And it was a pretty crude wingsuit, as you can imagine. So that's kind of funny, too. It looks like he's dressed up in a funny Halloween costume. Right. Maybe he had the right idea, just the wrong materials. Probably. It was probably wool or something. Right. (laughs) Well, anyway. Oh, wait. This guy's name is Franz Reich. That sounds pretty German. We could try. That does sound pretty German. We could try going to him. His name is Franz Reich? Austrian. He was Austrian. Oh, okay. I mean, that's close to Germany. And also, Sigmund Freud was Austrian, so maybe we could get to... I don't know. Do you want to do that, or you want to keep going in wingsuit here? Uh, we should uh, We should learn a we little should, bit. Yeah, we should dive out of wingsuit. Get out of And try of to wingsuit. get more into the German atmosphere. You don't want to cover wingsuit at all? Well, you know, with my disease, I really do want to cover wingsuit over and over again. All right, well, we we got to learn something here, Jason. Do do you want to I think I think we both learned a little bit something about myself today. That's true. So, we could go to technique on wingsuit. We could go to suit design. Whoa, whoa, whoa. For, there's a section called further technical developments and under it it has jet-powered wingsuits. I'm going to that. Oh, what? That's like the steroids of wingsuiting. All right. As of 2010, there have been experimental powered wingsuits, often using small jet engines strapped to feet or a wing pack set up to allow for even greater horizontal speeds and even vertical ascent. On October 25th, 2009, in Finland, some dude jumped from a hot air balloon in a wingsuit with two small turbo jet engines attached to his feet. This dude's trying to be Iron Man. I tell you what, I don't need two jet engines to get a vertical ascent, if you know what I mean. I don't. I don't. I don't know what you mean. My rock hard cock. (laughs) There it is. The engines provided approximately. uh, It provided some thrust anyway. Some science numbers here uh, and ran on jet A1 fuel. This dude achieved approximately 30 seconds of horizontal flight with no noticeable loss of altitude. So he was just straight shooting sideways. He continued jumping from hot air balloons and helicopters, including one for the Stunt Junkies program on Discovery Channel. Whoa, hold on. This this guy also jumped into helicopters? That would have been the most dangerous thing. No, he didn't jump into helicopters. I thought it was saying from, like, I thought it said from... Even from hot air balloons to even he hopped onto a helicopter. Is no, he wrong? jumped out of a helicopter. Oh, okay. And then like started <laughs> landing on balloons or something. No, he landed on the ground in all situations. Oh, okay. Okay. For a second, I thought you mentioned like he was like hopping because he had the jet thingy. Oh, yeah. I thought he I was like it. going from like, a th- you know, he from a hot air that. balloon to another hot air balloon onto a helicopter. I was like, whoa, holy shit, dude. Yeah. Only Tom Cruise can do that. That's true. Oh, man. Further information. We could go to Jetpack and Turbo pa- Turbo Jetpacks. I was always in... I really liked the movie The Rocketeer when I was a kid. I don't think I watched that. I'm fairly sure I thought people who watch that or like that are were gay. But Yeah, uh, I knew you were going to say that. And we were. Yeah. But I wasn't 
off the idea of rocket like jetpack that that was always cool mm-hmm. but i i also like never really believed in it like i don't think that is the thing that's gonna come it's happening jason this guy's got him on his feet it's happening nah not like a jetpack jetpack like you could actually you know i don't see it as becoming a real transportation vehicle well not in your lifetime but yeah. hey buddy yeah maybe it's gonna happen the military will be developing it We'll have jetpack people. No way we're going to have jetpack people. If they can have jetpacks, why would they send people? They're already doing drones. There's no reason to put life, actual life at risk. Nah, you got to sacrifice a couple people to in the name of science. <laughs> like a true like a true patriot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jason, people are cheaper than robots. That's why. <laughs> Salute. You want to move on to a different topic here? Yeah, yeah, let's keep going. Are we? Let's go more on the German front since we found that Franz maybe that could help us uh, go to Ger- Germany and then possibly one of the most famous Germans of psychology, Mr. Franz Freud. No, I literally told you that he, that Franz Freud, also known as Sigmund, to his friends. To his friends, yeah, we're not his friends. Was Austrian. I'm not. I'm not friends with no German. He's Austrian. Still Austrian. And and you specifically started this episode by saying your German girlfriend. <laughs> Schadenfreude, Schadenfreude, Schadenfreude. Yeah, it turns out turns out she's more Irish British. All right, well, I'm on Franz Reich. Oh, wait, I've been I've I said Reich, but his name is Franz Reichelt. Uh Franz Reichelt was an Austrian-born French tailor, innovator, well, not that good of an innovator, and parachuting pioneer, now sometimes referred to as the Flying Tailor, who is remembered for jumping to his death from the Eiffel Tower while testing a wearable parachute of his own design. Reichelt had become fixated on developing a suit for aviators that would convert into a parachute and allow them to survive a fall should they be forced to leave their aircraft in midair. Initial experiments conducted with dummies dropped from the fifth floor of his apartment building had been successful, but he was unable to replicate those early successes with any of his subsequent designs. Oof. Man, when you oh. get that first taste of success, I know that, buddy. He's you're like, you just want it, you're after it, then it's like heroin, man. You need yeah, that. Yeah, he's like, these dummies don't know what they're doing. I got to climb in the suit myself and show them. Step aside, boys. Right. Step aside, boys, and he stretches out his scrotum. This is how a man does it. This is what you get when you send a dummy to do a man's job, and he just stretches out his scrotum and flies to the heavens. Because to the heavens is where he went, believe me. The heavens were, was the ground. All right, believing that a suitably high-test platform would prove his in- innovation's efficiency, Reichel repeatedly petitioned the pre... God, here comes one of those tongue twisters again. Reichel repeatedly petitioned the Parisian Prefecture of Police for permission to conduct a test from the Eiffel Tower. He fi- Oh, the police gave him permission. He finally received permission in 1912, but when he arrived at the tower on February 4th, he made it clear that he intended to jump personally rather than conduct an experiment with dummies. Despite attempts to dissuade him, he jumped from the first platform of the tower wearing his invention. He didn't even go to the top of the tower. He just was like, first platform, that's high enough. That'll do. Maybe that could have been his mistake right there. Maybe it might have just wasn't high enough to get that to get those that air underneath his wings, underneath his scrote. Uh, The parachute failed to deploy and he plummeted 187 feet to his death. The next day, newspapers were full of illustrated stories about the death of the quote-unquote reckless... (laughs) Illustrated? Like it was like a three-page comic strip? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The first box is him looking at the Eiffel Tower saying, I think that's high enough. Yeah. The second one is like the tunnel vision, like looking down. (laughs) It's everything (laughs) zooming by him. I may have made a mistake. And then the third one is like those uh, those uh, guards, like they're in the forefront, With a and giant they're just like shovel. eating. They're just eating. They're drinking coffee. And in the background, you see like a little like ah, thing in yeah. the back with wind blowing up, like it's just shooting straight. And down. the guards are holding a shovel, and it's and one of them <laughs> in, in preparation. One of them's going, "What are we gonna do with this giant shovel?" 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, and the jump was shown in newsreels, so that's the video. Oh, here we go. All right. Uh, Reichel was born in Wegstall. Uh, we- uh, this is an unpronounceable word, a place. Wegstaltel in the kingdom of Bohemia. Part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, which is now the Czech Republic, and moved to Paris in 1898. I've never heard of the Kingdom of Bohemia, have you? Kingdom of Bohemia? No. I want to go to the Kingdom of Bohemia just to learn something new here, Jason. Let's do it. I kind of, I kind of, is that where Bohemian Rhapsody comes from? Like that music style? I'm just a poor boy. No, but... Whoa, we don't have the rights for that. Stop it. Stop it. We don't have the money. We don't have the close to... Anywhere close near for the money for that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, The Kingdom of Bohemia. Sometimes later in English literature referred to as the Czech Kingdom was a medieval and early modern monarchy in Central Europe, the predecessor to the modern Czech Republic. It was an imperial state in the Holy Roman Empire, and the Bohemian king was a prince elector of the empire. The kings of Bohemia, besides the region of Bohemia proper itself, also ruled other lands belonging to the Bohemian crown, which at various times included Moravia, Silesia, Lust- Lustia, these are all made up places as far as I'm concerned. Moravian Knight. You know that? Is that where Aladdin's from? He's a Moravian Knight. No, nah, I think this is more like Eastern Europe, not the Middle East. Hmm. But I see another part of their lands was Bavaria, and I think Bavaria is German. Ah. Yeah, Bavarian chocolate. Uh, I think it's like a region, but I think. Germany definitely falls under Bavaria. Dark chocolate sounds Bavarian sounds like a dark chocolate, like a Don't little bitter. Don't get on dark chocolate. There's a whole episode about dark chocolate that people can listen to. Oh yeah, that was Don't good get stuff, Jason man. started dark on dark chocolate. <clears throat> I'm a big fan. Big fan of dark chocolate. Uh, milk chocolate, you can go to hell. No way. Now you're getting me riled up. No, I I I, I waned off of milk chocolate. Uh, dark chocolate is king. All right, Jason. I went to Bavaria. Awesome. What's over there? Bavaria, Chocolates. officially the free state of Bavaria, is a landlocked state in the southeast of Germany. Oh, so it's a German state. But they call... You know, they're really free when they have to state it up front when they're like, we're free now, by the way. Yeah, in case, <laughs> exactly. Let me put everyone on notice right now. We are free. So don't be looking at us. Don't be looking down on us and shit like that. It's like kind of just... like they're trying to overcompensate a little bit. Like, <laughs> hey, we're tired of getting invaded. We got a democracy thing going over here, and yeah. uh, we're free. They should use reverse psychology and just be like, look, we're already taken. Somebody already took us over. Don't even try it. <laughs> yeah. Don't attack us. We already belong to somebody. We're not free. We wouldn't even like being free. Sounds terrible. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so it's officially the free state of Bavaria, Bavaria is a landlocked state in the southeast of Germany uh, with an area. It's a big area. It's the largest German state by land area, comprising roughly a fifth of the total land area of Germany. With 13 million inhabitants, it is the second in population only to the North Rhine Westphalia. Um, did you know Germany had states? I didn't know. I never know, like... Yeah, they have control of everything. I like how it's the free state that's landlocked. <laughs> You're landlocked by Germany. This free state is landlocked. I didn't know, like, I never know what other countries are doing in terms of, like, states, counties, municipalities. And now now that I say it out loud, I'm getting kind of bored. Um, should we <laughs> should we go to Germany? Because I bet... I don't see why not. I bet um, Schadenfreude is in, like, German culture or something. I mean, uh, I'm sure, or it's, uh, yeah, it's... Um... It's impact on culture, on Western culture. Cause that's oh, definitely... this took me to the German language. Should we, I mean, schadenfreude might be like a catchphrase. Uh, let me, let me look. <laughs> oh, that German catchphrase, schadenfreude. 
All right. Um, well, I don't know. We could we could just go to Germany. That's true. If, yeah, let's just go to Germany, I guess. Oh, we could go to culture, and maybe it's under like literature and philosophy I, or something. Philosophy, maybe not philosophy, but you don't yeah, think? I think so? it's more psychology than philosophy. I uh, yeah, I know, but that I don't see a psychology section. We're still in Germany, or did we go to? Uh... We're still in Germany. Do you want to try okay. to get to Freud? I think. I mean, yes. All right. You're you're sure we're in a German concept and we're in Germany and you want to go to Austria and Freud. I mean, not if it takes us backwards, but I I don't see why not. I think that's a straight shot into psychology. Do not use the word straight shot here. All right, I'm going. <laughs> I think that's a gay shot to psychology. Let's try to get to Sigmund Freud. I hope he's Austrian. Oh, I thought you knew that. I'm pretty sure. All right, I feel like a lot of Germans are Austrian. I'm going to Austria. Austria, officially the Republic of Austria, blah, blah, blah. All right, I'm just looking for notable Austrians. See how they're not all like, we're free now, Austria, I Poland. made that part up in the other okay. German section. <laughs> all right, so I see culture, music, art and architecture, cinema and theater, science and philosophy, I don't see a notable Austrians. I don't know why. They're, I don't know why they're maybe see also religion. How do they not have notable Austrians? I know for sure uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is Austrian. Oh, yeah. He is notable. He's the most notable one. There's. Oh, wait. All right. I'm in sports. Alpine skiing. Hmm. Oh, there's a list of Austrian writers, but I don't want an Austrian writer. I want a freaking Freud here. Yeah, we want a freaking Freud. Okay, I'm going to go down to science and philosophy because, uh, you know, I, I tried to encourage you to go to philosophy under Germany, but I think maybe psychology it, it edges philosophy. Yeah, most definitely. Okay, I'm under Austrian science and philosophy. Austria was the cradle of numerous scientists with international reputation. Wait, wasn't Einstein Austrian too? I think that's the one we're thinking of. I think that's the one we're thinking. We're of. thinking of. I was thinking of Freud. No, I, but I, I, I mean, I think that's what we were thinking of in terms of the person who's we know from Germany, but who's actually Austrian. <laughs> but he's not from he Germany. <laughs> You're just lumping. Einstein's not from Germany? Jason, I hate to be accusatory, but I think you're just lumping all these whites into the same category. I mean, category. they're definitely... Is he not from Germany? Wait, Einstein's not from Germany? I think Einstein was Austrian. But he came from Germany. No! He fle like, Austria like he fled is Germany, no? from German. I don't know about that. All right, well, we'll maybe we'll find out. If we, if Did I we can... get him straight? Did we get him straight from Germany, or was he one of those people who like went to South America and then we got him from Argentina? Stop saying Germany, Austria. Yeah, at the time, let's be honest, it's probably the same thing. No, I think we had, I think we had a little Einstein in us before World War II. Oh, little Einstein. Yeah, little Einsteins. Austria was the cradle of numerous scientists with international reputation. Among them are Ludwig Boltzmann, Ernst Mach, Victor Franz Hess, and Christian Doppler. Maybe from the Doppler radar? Prominent from scientists the Doppler effect. in the yeah, 19th idiot. century. In the 20th century, contributions by Lise Miter, Irwin, some, someone else, Wolfgang Steve Pauli. Irwin? Um, oh, they contributed to nuclear research and quantum mechanics were key to these areas of development during the 1920s and 30s. A present-day quantum physicist, Anton Zellinger, noted for as the first scientist to demonstrate quantum teleportation? What? what? Wait, is teleportation happening? Yeah, it's always happening. No, we're but, going from one place to another. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry, but I we're going to come back to this, but I'm clicking on quantum teleportation and I want to find experimental results and records work in 19. It's the same idea of how scientists say that like, you like your time, your it's like time travel is real. You're traveling through time right now. Okay. At this pace. And I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, yes, we're teleporting. 
because we're rotating and we're and it's a revolution right well jason you're stumbling and through also, this idea here let me just read <laughs> let me just no i think i can i can fucking outsmart wikipedia <laughs> with the connect with the life lessons connections that i have inside of my head let me just <laughs> i know you've watched a lot of movies <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's Solely where 90% of my information comes from. And some of those writers who wrote those movies did a little research through Wikipedia. Yeah. So it's just full yeah. circle, really. Because I wish I could say books, but books, most of the books that I've read are usually autobiographies. So that's really has done nothing for me. All right. So maybe you should read Zellinger's autobiography because his group produced a pair of entangled photons. Ooh, a sweet pair of By what? implementing the process of paramedic down conversion. Well, I got to admit, Jason, I kind of liked your explanation a little better. Yeah, because it's, uh, it's a little bit more palatable than what the fuck they're saying. Then they use the two... Fo- uh, well, it sounds like quantum teleportation does not exist. <laughs> it feels like they're saying it exists. It's like saying like... Um, Keep working on it, boys. You know, it's like saying, yeah, I can bench like 350, but like I'm taking steroids to bench 350. You know, it's like, I'm not really benching 350. Right. You know? It's like saying, I understand the concept of benching 350. <laughs> like, it yeah. can be done. It can be done, but I'm not really doing it. It's most of the pumping that I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, to break it down in complete meathead terms. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in addition to physicists, Austria was the birthplace of two of the most noteworthy philosophers of the 20th century, Ludwig There's a lot of Ludwigs in Austria. Ludwig Wittgenstein and Karl Popper. In addition to them, biologists Gregor blah, 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 blah. Oh, oh, oh. A focus on Austrian science has always been medicine and psychology starting in medieval times with paraclesis. Oh, I love me a paraclesis, man. Mm -mm. Oh, well, I might have been mispronouncing it. His name is... Paracelsus. He was a pioneer in several aspects of the medical, quote unquote, because probably he was probably injecting people with bleach or something, the quote unquote medical revolution of the Renaissance, emphasizing the value of observation in combination with received wisdom. Thinking. Yeah, yeah. Listening and thinking about doing something before just slapping on like a thousand leeches on a person. I was going to say drilling a hole in someone's head but yeah yeah pretty much yeah (laughs) i like how back then doctors were like take three leeches and call me in the morning if the leeches don't work drill a hole in the head and put the leeches inside uh doctor how do i know if it works well if it works um the leeches will die and fall off and how do i know if it doesn't work then you die (laughs) (laughs) oh fuck man i'm so glad I'm so glad, like, this, all this, like, COVID shit happened, like, now, like, in the now, not fucking. Oh, this stuff happened. Not the 1920s, not the Black Plague. Don't worry, Jason, there were COVIDs of the Renaissance. I think it was called the Black Death. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm just happy that we didn't have to live. You're happy you're alive now. Yeah, I'm just happy we didn't have to live through that, through the Black Death. Like, we had to live through. Yeah, I'm glad we didn't live through medicine. Considering our advancement and our environment and where we're at, where where we are at, you know, the United States, it's like pretty good. What? A, yeah, we got it good. Like this was like a little. This was a little bitch plague. This was like a little bitch bitch ass plague, like a little baby plague. Compared to the Black Death, like come on, man. <laughs> they named it the Black Death. That sounds like the scariest fucking the thing ever. It just sounds to me the Black Death sounds like a fucking void, like a black void, like a black hole. Right. That's just gonna. It takes. Not. It doesn't just kill you. It literally evaporates everything that's around you: your home, your family, your loved ones. Like, <laughs> well, now it so sounds scary. like the Yakuza or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's just we got COVID. We got a vaccine in less than a year, dog. Come on. Well, it is crazy to think about like how they were probably using leeches for just about everything. Like a person comes in, they're like, I got heartburn. And they're like, yeah. let's give him leeches. And then another <laughs> person comes in and is like, I got a headache. And they give him leeches. Leeches to just pop over here. And someone's headache just naturally goes away because they drank more water or something 
And the doctor's like, okay, leeches cures headaches. I'm, okay, so uh, doctors in like the medieval times are the equivalent of like high school nurses, where they're like, their solution is just a fucking ice pack, a bag full of ice, <laughs> send your ass back in for anything and everything. Whether it be a headache, put it on your head. Oh, my knee hurts. Put it on your knee. <laughs> like, it's just the overall, like, that's as much as I'm going to give you is here's a fucking couple of leeches. Call me in the morning. All right. So that was Paracelsus. I'm going back to Austrian science and philosophy. Oh, Austria was home to Sigmund Freud, founder of psychoanalysis. Alfred Adler, founder of individual psychology. Psychologist Paul... What's the wick and Hans Asperger? Uh, did Hans Asperger come up with Asperger's? I'm gonna say, yeah. Did you say John Wick and Hans Asperger? That's exactly what I said. And psychiatrist Victor. That sounds action packed. <laughs> it's John Wick with like poor social skills. He like knows exactly how to attack, when to attack. He just can't fully execute it. <laughs> <laughs> because he has to be around people. <laughs> yeah. But believe me, he's got everything fucking down. <laughs> like, it's all on paper, but it's all in here, baby. All right. So, Jason, we could go to Sigmund Freud, but we could also go to just psychoanalysis, which is, you know, the broader or individual psychology. Mm. Okay. That might hit closer to what we're looking for. Right. But I think, I think. Both will kind of take us there because it's what did you say the first one was like psychoanalysis. So psychoanalysis, that's when I feel can take us there. But like you're saying, the individual will also. Yeah, I don't know what individual psychology is. Let's dabble in both. Individual psychology is the psychological method or science founded by the Alfred Adler. The English edition of Adler's work on the subject, blah, blah, blah. In developing the concept of individual psychology, Adler broke away from the psychoanalytic school of Sigmund Freud. In, his, in this development, Adler did call his work, quote unquote, free psychoanalysis for a time, but he later rejected the label of psychoanalyst. His method, involving a holistic approach to the study of character, has been extremely influential in later 20th century counseling and psychiatric strategies. Interesting. So it's taking into account the patient's whole environment where maybe psychoanalysis was taking into account the individual. But the individual didn't do that? You know, I don't know. Do you want me to go to psychoanalysis real quick? Oh, I sure, think that sure. was the one that um, where everyone wanted to have sex with their mom. Oh, okay, like uh, what's his name? Um, Oedipus, an Oedipus complex. Yeah, I think Freud came up with right? that. You want to kill? You want to kill your? You want to murder your dad with your own bare hands until you see the life uh, leave his body? Wow. And then you go wow. and then. Whoa! Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Jason's sweating profusely and crawled into a ball. <laughs> All right, so and then for some sick reason, you want to replace your dad and start banging out your mom? Yeah, that, I think that's the that's the general gist of it that Sigmund Freud was. Yeah, man, these at. Greeks, these Greeks are some sickos, man. Sick. Right? Because that that guy was Greek, right? Oedipus was Greek. Oedipus, yeah, that was Greek. All right, psychoanalysis is a set of theories and therapeutic techniques used to study the unconscious mind, which together from a method form a method of treatment for mental disorders. The discipline was established in the early 1890s by Austrian neurologist Sigmund Freud, who retained the term psychoanalysis for his own school of thought. Freud's work stems partly from the clinical work of some dude and others. Psychoanalysis was later developed in different directions, mostly by students of Freud, such as Alfred Adler and his collaborator Carl Gustav, blah, blah, blah. Ah, psychoanalysis has been known to be a controversial discipline and its validity as a science is very contested. Nonetheless, it retains a relatively salient influence within psychiatry, albeit more so in some quarters than others. 
Psychoanalytic concepts are also widely used outside the therapeutic arena. Whew, okay. All right, I am under psychoanalysis, and I think we can get to schadenfreude. I think I think so. Uh, psycho, psychoanalyze me. Oh, jeez. Uh, that would be tough. I think I think it'd be kind of simple. I think the my uh, what's it called subconsciousness is the crazy one. I'm keeping it all nice and tamed, man. On the outside, this is keeping it tamed. <laughs> yeah, of course, man. Are you kidding me? All right. The basic tenets of psychoanalysis include one: a person's development is determined by often forgotten events in early childhood rather than by inherited traits alone. Two: human behavior and cognition are largely determined by instinctual drives that are rooted in the unconscious. Three, attempts to bring such drives into awareness triggers resistance in the form of defense mechanisms, particularly repression. Four, conflicts between conscious and unconscious material can result in mental disturbances such as neuroses, neurotic traits, anxiety, and depression. So, I mean, there's five, six, and seven, but hey, we don't need to get to them because I see, you know, we could go to mental disturbances, neuroses, uh, anxiety, or depression. I think um, we should go. I like mental disturbances. Sounds like a fun one. I can tell it you one thing. Like I, I feel like one. I have a lot of like things that could be mental disturbances to other people, but I'm just like, eh. To other people. Too. All right. Yeah. Well, I think we should go to anxiety. Because anxiety will anxiety is so broad, and then if we need to go to mental disturbances, I bet we could get there or depression. Like all of the, I feel like anxiety leads to all those things. Yeah, yeah, I guess I don't know. I I can't tell you again. I don't experience it too Ooh. much. So anxiety is an emotion, and there is a link for emotion. And Schadenfreude was an emotion. That is true. Ooh, there you go. There is a link for emotions. Uh, that might be too broad though. Like way I know, bad. but maybe they just have a list of emo- of German emotions, and the only <laughs> one is Schadenfreude. Germans do not get happy or sad. We yeah, only yeah, they get only get happy when they see hurt people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only time German people smile is when they see somebody else hurt. <laughs> That's why they started World War II. Right, right. Anxiety is an emotion characterized by an unpleasant state of inner turmoil, often accompanied by nervous behavior such as pacing back and forth, somatic complaints, and rumination. Anxiety is a feeling of uneasiness and worry, usually generalized and unfocused as an overreaction to a situation that is only subjectively seen as menacing at best. It is often accompanied by muscular tension, restlessness, fatigue, and problems in concentration. Anxiety is closely related to fear, which is a response to a real or perceived immediate threat. Anxiety involves the expectation of future threat. People facing anxiety may withdraw from situations which have provoked anxiety in the past. So, do you want to stay in anxiety here, or do you want to go to emotion? Uh, uh, I don't know. I can't decide. Uh, uh. How much time do we have on the timer? (laughs) We got... Five minutes. Oh, five minutes, dude. We're close, man. We're rimming it, baby. Give We're me on the some edge. Schadenfreude. I'm going to. I'm going down. I'm gonna try to cheat a little here, Jason, and go down to see also, and see if Schadenfreude is down there. Uh, see also list of people with anxiety disorder. N- notable anxiety disorder people. Come on, man. <laughs> Notable people with anxiety. Great. <laughs> That'd be a nice. That's a long list. I feel like <laughs> I feel like Wiki is trying to derail me here. All right, I'm gonna go to emotion. Yeah, it's a part of the game. Wiki knows what we're doing. Emotions are biological states associated with all of the nerve systems, brought on by a neurophysic. Uh, you get it. Their feelings, behavioral responses, and a degree of pleasure or displeasure. Oh, Schadenfreude causes pleasure. Do you want me to go to pleasure? Oh, oh, I thought you were reading it. I thought you said Schra- I thought it said Schrodinger causes no, pleasure. No, no, no. <sighs> you gave the winner stance too early. Sorry, Jason. I didn't mean to. 
Ah, Jason busted all over the place. Oh, man, I shot in Freud all over my laptop keyboard. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. Give me a second to clean this up. Oh, man, I I really want to get to schadenfreude here. Oh, I know you do, Kyle. The world's watching. Well, where should we go in emotions here? This is ridiculous. I I expected a list of German emotions. Cognitive appraisal, bodily symptoms. I found it, Jason. Fuck me not? I fuck you not, Jason. I found it. yeah. The history of emotions has become an increasingly popular topic recently with some scholars, and they have a footnote or a whatever, a, a reference that just says who? Like, which scholars said this? But it's in Wikipedia, but they need a source. Arguing it is an essential category of analysis, not unlike class, race, or gender. Emotion is a category of analysis like class, race, or gender? Historians like other social scientists assume that emotions, feelings, and their expressions are regulated in different ways by both different cultures and different historical times, and the constructivist school of history claims even that some sentiments and meta-emotions, for example, schadenfreude, are learnt and not only regulated by culture. Hell yeah. We did it, baby. Oh, so, I don't know. Is this it? Are we picking this up at the next episode, or are we just doing two new topics on the next episode? Uh, Yeah, we can do... No, no, I think we can... Don't we want to keep going? Sure. Ah, that's the oh, timer. Yeah. Woo, we made it. Hey, man, rules are rules, and we did it. <laughs> rules are rules, and we made up the rules. But... All right, so we're on Schrottenfreud. Do you want me to look that up real quick so I can read the first? If uh... you're dying to. I know you like to read, but I kind of read this first part at the beginning of the How pod. do you spell Schadenfreude? Because I'm literally spelling it like shot, like S-H-O-T and ampersand Freud. So... Freud. Tell me, tell me how to do it. S C H A N D E N F R. Oh, Schadenfreude. Gotcha. That's what we were looking for. Schadenfreude. Yeah, the word that your girlfriend screams out in ecstasy. Yeah, Schadenfreude uh, is. Okay, wait. Sorry, it... I I never get to interrupt while you're reading. So perfect timing. But go for it. What if when your girlfriend is screaming out in ecstasy? Yeah. Screaming Schadenfreude. Yeah. She really wants you to, like, climb off of her and fall over so she can enjoy that sight. Right. I mean, I usually do after I cramp up. So either way, <laughs> it happens. To- you know, she, she just has to be uh, play the patient game, the patience game. You know? For the physical comedy to come. Right. Right. All right. Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. All right. So Schadenfreude is the experience of pleasure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or joy or self-satisfaction that comes from learning of or witnessing the troubles, failures, or humiliation of others. And I think everyone everyone has that. Even when a person is walking, a person you don't know, and they walk by you and trip a little bit, they don't even have to fall over. Exactly. But you turn your head, and you almost want that eye contact of them to look at you like, you didn't just see that, did yeah. you? Yeah, it's our little secret schadenfreude. Like, it's just between you and you and myself Just right a now. little taste of it. Anyway, do you want to finish this top paragraph and then we'll wrap up the episode? Yeah, last, uh, let's see, yeah. Last paragraph here is, uh, schadenfreude is uh, a complex emotion where rather than feeling sympathy, one takes pleasure from watching someone's misfortune. This emotion is displayed more in children than adults However, adults also experience schadenfreude, although generally they conceal it. I mean, some of the most funniest laughs that I've had are in times where, like, you know, it's that laughing at a funeral thing where, like, you know, you're not supposed to do it, but yeah, it's even harder to contain. Wait, wh- wait, you're experiencing schadenfreude at a funeral? Yeah, it's the only reason why I go to funerals. You know, this whole world is it's a very heavy, very heavy world that we're living in right now. Yeah, yeah, you want to lighten things up by going to a funeral. So I want to lighten things up. I just go to a funeral and just laugh my ass off for an hour and a half, two hours. I, over two hours now, I'm just like, that's a lot. Because it's, it's that feeling of like, at least I'm not dead. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely the opposite of feeling sympathy. 
And uh, yeah, and that's it. Uh, we'll dig into this emotion we called, or I should say they call, the Germans that is, Schadenfreude, uh, on the next Wiki You. And uh, people can check us out. We're putting up videos on Wiki University on Instagram. So please go follow that. But most importantly, geez, tell your goddamn friends about the podcast and rate and review. And uh, leave us some comments under there. And if you want us to do a topic, write in. DM us. Yeah, throw, slip in our, into our DMs real quick. Uh, give us a topic. And uh, we'll either, you know, we'll either use it or I'll probably just trash you if it's a stupid enough topic. <laughs> All right. Anyways, follow me at Laftinas on Twitter, on Instagram, on everything. Uh, that's about it. That's all. I'm, that's all I'm on. I'm gonna keep it two, two and done. Just Twitter and Instagram. I don't got time for any anybody else's shit. I'll keep it to two as well. Follow me on Instagram at Kyle Berseth and subscribe to my other podcast, The Rumors Book Club, that I do with White Bones. And yeah, that's it. That's the episode. That's it. That's the ep. Bye bye. Class dismissed. I hope you all enjoyed your spring break. Now put your nipples away and get to study. Tuck them back. Put your sweater back on. It's not tank season yet. Wait, you said it was tank season. No, we're right around the corner, you idiot. <laughs> okay. Ooh. That's milky. And beans.